Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have great news for you. Our partners at Bet Online they continue to get it done, get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online, the number one source for all of your betting needs this season. Latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. We had all those brackets busted back uh, during the March sessions, of course. Now we got MLB. We have NHL and NBA playoffs, horse racing, golf. You name it, you can get it. Bet Online is your headquarters for betting all season long. BetOnline.ag. You just have to head to the website or use your mobile device and get started with a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag or your mobile device. Use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. B L E A V. Bet online where the game starts. Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We're brought to you by Liverpool Physical Therapy, Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company, Camillus Golf Club, and our terrific friend Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual in New York State. Tax efficient retirement planning. Go get yours now with Brian Convoy, LinkedIn, Facebook, and advisors.massmutual.com. We will, in this episode, oh, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes or so, we will focus in on the official, official, official (laughs) end of the Syracuse basketball season. Um, You know, obviously this year is a historical season because we've never done this before, Um, you know, where... Syracuse basketball ends, and we're going to have a new head coach next year. They kind of went one in the same. Things got kind of weird and ugly. Um, you know, Beheim said he answered retirement questions. He said he basically made a retirement speech. You know, when the uh, championship team came back, uh, we I mean, whatever that means, uh, said that he was always on the same page. They always had a plan, blah, blah, blah. Some of that might be true. Some of it might be bullcrap. A lot of the things that come out of the university's mouth, sometimes you just can't understand anyway. Um, You know, we know a couple things. At least I know a couple things uh, because of the sources who told me. Adrian Autry was always the guy. They love his communication skills. They love his ability to recruit. They love his work ethic. And that's not to say anything against Jerry McNamara. But if you were to put Red Autry and GMAC, you know, mano a mano against each other, I think they would all have the same exact great qualities to lead Syracuse into the next era of basketball. The difference is Adrian Autry, right? Adrian Autry is, has one thing that actually helps him despite the fact that Jerry McNamara is so beloved. If you compare these two players in the history of Syracuse, Jerry McNamara, Red Autry ain't touching him in terms of the beloved department. I mean, when you think about freshman year, winning a championship with Carmelo Anthony and that whole cast, six three-pointers against Kansas, going back to the Sweet 16 the year after, and shredding BYU for the North, total of 40 points. North of 40 he scored. You look at the Big East championships. You look at the Clutch 3, Cincy, Georgetown, UConn, all of that stuff. You think about well over 30,000 at the Dome for his final game against Villanova. The buses from Scranton, Pennsylvania. The beloved Jerry McNamara. Red Autry doesn't have that on him. And, and that's, I'm not, look, I'm, that's not a knock on Red. A lot of people don't have that, right? There's a special kind of special when you get a Jerry McNamara up here like that, right? And so I think that helps Red because 
he gets the job, and I'm not saying this is what Syracuse thought through or whatever else, but it's what I would think through. What if Jerry McNamara becomes head coach and you're terrible? And you're terrible for a good two to four year stretch. And in, in Syracuse, New York, those winners become a lot longer. And things become really, really difficult up there. Do we fire that guy? The PR nightmare of a lifetime if you had to fire Jerry McNamara. So Red was always the guy. Red versus Jerry. That's why I think it's better that Red got the job. Um, I think he deserves a chance. Everybody does deserve a chance. And now we go from here. Um, you know, the first item of business for Adrian, of course, was to go meet with the players. Who's going to be back? Um, it looks like, it looks like, um, you know, a lot of these guys are going to come back. And that's another reason probably why they had to make a decision quickly. I know there were a lot of people who thought that, you know, op- putting it into an open coaching search would have been a great thing. Um, I understand your thinking. I kind of have that thinking. But the reality is the quicker you give the job to Red Autry, the quicker he can go meet with the players, many of whom he recruited, and and transfer portal, NIL, all that stuff, plus regular recruiting. However, the heck you're going to form these rosters year to year, you know, year to year. I don't know. It's one of the more mind-boggling tasks in all of sports. But he can then go to Joe Girard, Jesse Edwards. You know, some of these guys have their uh, eligibility, right? Benny Williams. He can go to Judah Mintz, right? He can go to all these players. Now we know, as I record this, that Samir Torrance has entered into the transfer portal. <clears throat> but let's say like Justin Taylor comes back, Benny Williams comes back, Judah comes back, Joe G comes back, Jesse Edwards comes back, Malik Brown comes back, Copeland comes back, Chris Bell comes back, you know, a jock's gone. But what if what if all these guys come back? What if all of them but one or two come back? Might have a nice little team, you know, and, and, and then you go fill the holes elsewhere. You got you got friggin' JJ Starling coming in, which is a huge get. The Baldensville product who went to Notre Dame, of course, did some high school prep work following Beville and all the rest. He's going to be a dynamic, dynamic player for Syracuse. I think he's going to be an all-around type of guy who you can play off the ball if you need to. Um, you know, the key guy is Judah Mintz. The next key guy is Jesse Edwards. The next key guy, I would argue, over Gerard would be Bell and Brown and Copeland. Those guys are in the same group for me. Because if you can get all of those guys back with Judah and J.J., that's that. That's a nice core right there. Now, if all of them come back, plus you have Starling, now we're talking. You might even be able to go small, go Judah Mintz at the one. You go a uh, little J.J. Starling, you play a little combo guard or what have you. Put him at the two, make him work off the ball quite a bit, or, or Joe Girard rather at the two even, and then have J.J. work in as the three. Go small for a little while. You got Jesse, you got this guy and that. Then you mix and match and you go from there. You go recruit, you go from there. So I think that Syracuse... Um, Without Jim Beheim next year, I think they're going to be pretty similar in terms of record-wise. You know, there's a lot of people now like, oh, well, Jim Beheim. Now Jim Beheim's gone. He's they're going to be this and they're going to be that. And you know, you don't know. You just don't know. Mike Shashevsky has been to a million Final Fours and has five national championships. He's lost to Lehigh and Mercer in the first round of the NCAA tournament. In specific years, Mike Shashevsky hasn't gotten as far as John Shire this year. But he's got those championships, Final Fours. He's got the longevity to the point where you're going to get upset in, in, in the big bracket. And I don't care if you're Michigan State, Kentucky, Duke, UCLA, Syracuse, uh, Louisville, Notre Dame, name that school. I don't care who you are. Gonzaga, Arkansas, you're going to get beat if you get there enough times. It's very simple. The Yankees dominated baseball for a very long time during the Joe Torre era. 
Mariano Rivera still got nailed by Sandy Alomar. The pinch or the uh, bloop pinch blooper. Uh, you know, I say pinch because the hands kind of look pinch of Luis Gonzalez and 2004 with the Red Sox. There were other times in the regular season. You asked Mo to get two innings. Mo didn't deliver. Greatest closer of all time. He had his warts. Michael Jordan had bad shooting games. He, you know, won one playoff series pre-Scotty Pippen. So, and I think Jordan's the greatest player of all time. It's just that you need help. And you need breaks in every sport. And so I'm very intrigued to see what's going to happen with this team moving into the future. Red Autry, et cetera. I am rooting so hard for this guy. I like him a lot. Um, but it was just a rough year for Syracuse, and you kind of knew it, didn't you, on November 29th, Thanksgiving time, right? You kind of knew it. I mean, they were three and four. You know, did you sit there and said, okay, now we're talking, right? Once we get into the Big East season, we got to get a big, big, big win on the road, and then we're off and running. Okay, they did that at Notre Dame. Then you beat Oakland, Georgetown, Monmouth, Cornell, all at home. You're like, okay, lost to Pittsburgh. Eh, no big deal, two-point game. This team still might be okay at eight and five, one and one, and then win the next two. Bad teams in the ACC, but they beat them, BC and uh, at Louisville. Remember now, by December, this team was three and four with losses at home to Colgate and 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 uh, St. John's and Bryant, and they needed overtime to beat Richmond, and they went on the road and lost by 29 points to Illinois. And after they won the two, then lost to Virginia close on the road, seven-pointer, then beat Vatek and Notre Dame at home, and then didn't close out against Miami, I think that was the point for me, 12 and seven on the year and five and three, you kind of knew that they had it in them to score and do some things, but you have to execute down the stretch at least half the time to get some wins. Otherwise, this roller coaster ride is going to end really, really bad. Well, voila, they don't execute at Miami, blew a double digit lead in the second half. Judah Mintz, awful, awful, awful attempt at, at, at execution down the stretch. They lose that game, and then it's they a win at Georgia Tech. Then they lose three in a row. Carolina at home should have won the game. Same thing that happened at Miami. Judah Mintz had the ball. I don't know if it was Nick Signals. He went to try to go up against a bigger, more athletic, uh, you know, uh, player. They lose that game. They get blown out at Vatech. Then they're home for Virginia. You're like, okay, thirteen and nine, six and five. If it's ever going to turn around, they need this win. Virginia's not that good. They were number six at the time. Syracuse had a million chances. They lose that game. Then they make you believe again. Three straight wins. Then they're 16-10 and 10 after beating BC, Florida State, and NC State. Ranked team. Needed a quad one win. You're like, okay, 16-10, and 9-6. You got Duke coming in. Clemson on the road at Pitt. Georgia Tech at home. Wake. Let's see what we can come up with here. 16-10. and 10, One, two, three, four, five games to go. Let's see if they can maybe win four of those last five, right? Well, they lost four or five. Right? And then they beat Wake. Excuse me. The one win was Wake. They lost to Duke, Clemson, Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech leading up to it. They gave up 61 three-pointers in four games. They beat Wake at home with the national championship team in the, in the house. And then they lose to Wake Forest in the ACC tournament. In really hysterical fashion, if you think about it. Right? I mean, that game against Wake was... A classic way for Syracuse to lose it. There's no other way to slice and dice it. Um, you know, when you look at the sequence of the last minute, minute and a half of that game, you you just, it, it, you had to laugh, right? I mean, you had to laugh. It's a tie game. 
right? Joe Girard misses the sh- uh, Joe Girard misses a jumper. Wake gets the rebound, right? And uh, just an absolutely just an absolute typical Syracuse defensive possession. It almost looked like the guards were kind of trying to find their way to get back in the two three zone. Wake Forest bombs a three pointer and they win the game. Terrible execution by Syracuse offensively, where Benny Williams tried to get the ball in, or I should say, yeah, Benny tried to get into Jesse, couldn't get it into him, passes to Gerard. Gerard then goes to his right, and Joe Gerard, for as, as, as good a player he can be offensively, he, he makes so many bad decisions at the end of games, made another bad one here, went to his right, <clears throat> shot way early in the possession. I mean, it, there was, you know, six, seven seconds to go. He could have gone to the basket. He didn't do that. He pulled up, misses a jumper, just an awful shot. And then Wake takes it down and and buries a three with like, you know, one second, half a second, whatever it was to go. And Syracuse goes 17 and 15 on the year, 10 and 10 in conference. It was, you could tell when they lost at home, they got blown out at home by Colgate. Blown out. Double digits. That game was not close. You could tell with those struggles at home early in the year and then the blowout at Illinois. Not that SU was ever close to a ranked team for the majority of this year. But you could kind of tell. You're like, yeah, this thing's going to be tough. <laughs> this is, this is going to be a roller coaster year. More on Syracuse basketball coming up next on the ML Sports Platter. Brought to you by Stanley Law Offices and Welch and Company Jewelers. Mike Lindsley back with you at the ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms. Go ahead and download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are brought to you by Burn Dairy, Bowers & Company CPAs, and, hey, St. Bonaventure's online Master of Arts and Sports Journalism. It's a chance for newcomers to the field. There are no graduate exam requirements for admission, and you can enroll with a bachelor's degree in any field. Your love of the game and drive toward innovative storytelling finds a home at SBU. This sports journalism program can be completed in less than two years with flexibility built into the curriculum. Experienced faculty teach interviewing skills, journalistic ethics, and other essential skills for success in this profession. Many students, in fact, have gone on to cover the sport of basketball or baseball or football, whatever it might be. Sports on the biggest stage, including myself, Woj, Tim Bontemps, Mike Vaccaro, and Donna DeToda. Hey, get in touch today with an enrollment advisor at sbujournalism.com. That's sbujournalism.com and learn how you can become a sports journalist. That's sbujournalism.com. So in closing, by the way, with Jim Beheim retiring, um, I've always had a prickly relationship with Jim Beheim. Uh, it's it's not on my end. I don't think it is. Uh, I think that I put a lot of time into asking good questions as a reporter. I tried to cover the team fairly um, in local radio, outside of local radio, uh, outside of radio altogether. Uh, I've had the... Uh, just utmost respect for the guy. I mean, what he built, you know, getting a pro Washington before that, getting Louie and Bowie, the longevity, the loyalty, uh, the commitment to winning. Uh, his name's on the court for a reason. He's in the hall of fame for a reason. His two, three zone is, has been paramount to the program. It's been important for college basketball. Uh, coaches have copied it. It's made its way into the NBA, coach K the Olympics, all that stuff. Jim Beheim is a friggin' legend. I'm not going to doubt that at, at, at all. And he's just, you know, he's been prickly towards me. I'm not alone in that world. Um, I wish him all the best in retirement. I hope he has a great retirement. Um, but, you know, our relationship is the way it is because of him, not me. Um, you know, asking decent questions and getting ripped for it, there's no reason for that. 
Um, there have been uh, a lot of a lot of things, you know, that, that were asked that I thought were were very fair and pretty good questions. And because I've been closer to Syracuse than anybody in terms of coverage, I mean, I, I went to St. Bonaventure, and I consider that my, my number one school. But as far as like growing up in the Big East and then covering the Big East and covering Syracuse, I'm probably closest to Syracuse when you mix the work and right. And everything else, you know, the fan part and all the rest. If I'd gone to Syracuse, it'd be full board Syracuse. Um, but because I've been, you know, that close to things, um, you know, I, I root for Syracuse. I want them to do well. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was disappointed through the years to ask really good questions. And I, I, I want, you know, I want Jim Beheim's answer because I value his answer and I value how he looks at the, you know, prism of basketball. And I, I value how he looks at college basketball and, you know, the model and everything else. I That's why I asked the questions. Like, one year when seven teams were ranked in the Big East, I thought it was a fair question. Like, hey, is this the best Big East you've ever seen? Because, hello, you've seen the best Big East. You know, you've seen all of it. Um, asking him if it meant more to play St. Bonaventure than the other New York State teams because, you know, let's be honest. Um you guys used to have some major wars with Bana in sports terms and just a snarky comment or next question or cutting me off or all that stuff is just stupid. You know, and the last time I talked to him on the phone, he, you know, he dropped an F-bomb on me when I asked him to come on back in 2018, another surprise run to the Sweet 16. You know, when, when, uh, when you start respecting me, when you effing start respecting me is when I'll come on the show. Paraphrasing, but that was what was said. And I was like, okay, that's crazy. And then he brought up the 2-3 zone, and now I said to get rid of it. I've never said to get rid of it. I've said to change it up when it's not working, but that's your bread-and-butter model defense. Um, and then wanting him fired because, you know, Mike Hopkins is going to be a better coach at the time and all this stuff could be so – I could not put that farther from the truth. Uh, what I said on the air was Jim Beheim can retire at any time. He deserves that right. This was years ago, by the way. And why wouldn't I be excited about Mike Hopkins to take over as head coach when he is nicer than media and he's a friend of mine? I am not friends with Jim Behan. Wish I were, but I'm not. Um, I'm friends with Hop. Uh, we text occasionally, but that was back then. And, you know, my stance on Jim has not changed. The respect factor and all the rest has not changed. Um, he's the one who's been prickly towards me. He can't even say hi to me. Um, after games when I'm working now, uh, you know, he he, he just looks the other way when I say hello. It's it's pretty stupid, really. Um, but it's not about me. It's about him. It's about retirement. It's about his longevity, his commitment, and all that. And he had some kind of ride. 47 years, man, that's Connie Mack type stuff. There's, there aren't many guys you can, you know, you can compare um, <laughs> to Jim Beheim with that, with that length of his career at one place, you know, thinking about, you know, coaching golf, assistant with a basketball team, taking over for Dan Forth. And then head coaching for that long is just, it's insane. He was a student there. Um, it, it's unbelievable. It really is. So we'll see what happens with the future of SU, but it was a tough year again. Another sort of mediocre year kind of thing. A lot of roller coaster up and downs. Uh, you knew in the beginning it was going to be a tough deal. You had a couple of ideas, maybe late, if they could get uh, get hot. Maybe we get right back on the bubble and just get in the last, you know, the last four and then see what happens. But it wasn't meant to be this year. Anyway, congratulations to Jim Beheim and good luck to Adrian Autry.
Mike Lindsley with you here. It's the ML Sports Platter brought to you by Stanley Law Offices. Stanley Law Offices together, they'll work to get you the maximum reward. And a tip of the cap thank you as well to the Al and Angus Paul Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State and our awesome, awesome pals at Liverpool Physical Therapy. Post-op, you need that work done, shoulder, back, neck, and knees, whatever it might be, go with my pals at Liverpool Physical Therapy if you're in and around Central New York. As I always, always tell you, enjoy the games. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.